Hello and welcome to Scanner Today's Let's Talk AI podcast, where you can hear from AI researchers about what's actually going on with AI and what is just clickbait headlines. This is our latest Last Week in AI episode in which you can get a quick digest of last week's AI news, as well as a bit of discussion between two AI researchers as to what we think about these news. To start things off, we'll hand it off to Daniel Bashir to deliver that summary of what happened in AI last week. And we'll be back in just a few minutes to discuss these stories and dive a bit deeper. Hello and welcome. This is Daniel Bashir here with Skynet Today's Week in AI. This week, we'll discuss deepfake identification, a know-it-all AI, Google's ethics service, and TikTok. First off, we've heard plenty about the risks posed by deepfakes, and that there are many researchers looking for ways to distinguish them from real videos. According to VentureBeat, multiple groups of researchers may have found an inroad. Realistic heartbeats can be detected through biological signals on a person's face, called PPG cells. Since deepfakes do not optimize to generate realistic heartbeats, anomalies in these PPG signals allow researchers to detect deepfakes with 97% accuracy. While deepfakes pose problems, non-deepfake generative models like GPT-3 are great at mimicking human language, but they don't seem to know what they're talking about. This is troubling if we want AI to be trustworthy. The MIT Technology Review reports that Stanford startup DiffBot seeks to fix this. They are building an AI that reads every page on the entire public web in multiple languages and extracts as many facts from those pages as it can. But instead of training a language model, DiffBot turns a material into a series of three-part factoids that relate things to one another, subject, verb, and object. For example, Daniel is a student. This large collection of factoids is called a knowledge graph. This allows DiffBot to answer queries on virtually any topic you can find on the web. Our next story turns to ethics, and the fact that many researchers are concerned with the ethical implications of AI. We've seen how racial bias manifests in computer vision systems, and how predictive policing produces similar issues. According to Wired, Google plans to launch new AI ethics services before the end of this year, which will involve advising other companies on navigating the tricky ethical territory. Google has learned plenty of its own ethics lessons. For example, in 2015, Google blocked its Photos app from detecting gorillas after a user stated the service applied the label to photos of him with a black friend. Google later released a set of ethical principles, but its struggles are part of a larger realization among technologists regarding the potential harms of AI. Mitigating harms from AI is a long, slow, deliberative process. Google's customers may just find the giant asking them to slow down their work a little bit for the greater good. And finally, more TikTok news. Last we heard, Microsoft and Walmart were in a bidding war over the flourishing social media platform as it attempted to escape a US ban. Engadget reports that the sale attempt might cause complications now that China has unveiled new restrictions on AI technology exports that could affect TikTok. The rules bar exports of tech like content suggestions, text analysis, and voice recognition, technology that TikTok sometimes uses, unless a company receives a license. Parent company ByteDance also received a warning to consider stopping its sales talks given that the technology transfers could violate the new rules. 
This news escalates the US-China dispute, which has already brought about a trade war and US-imposed trade restrictions on companies like Huawei. The pressure on TikTok has drawn tighter export limits from China, possibly pressuring the United States to allow more access to Chinese tech. That's all for this week's News Roundup. Stay tuned for a more in-depth discussion of recent events with Andre and Sharon. Thanks, Daniel, and welcome back, listeners. And now that you've had a summary of last week's news, uh, feel free to stick around a bit as we discuss the stories and give our takes as AI researchers. I'm Andre Kernkab, a third-year PhD student at the Stanford Vision and Learning Lab, and I focus mostly on learning algorithms for robotics in my research. And with me is my co-host... I'm Sharon, a third-year PhD student in the machine learning group working with Andrew Ng. I do research on generative models, improving generalization of neural networks, and applying machine learning to tackling the climate crisis. Which I guess I feel is quite relevant now with the sky being red in the Bay Area. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to discussing this news as a bit of a distraction. Um, <sighs> Yeah, let's go ahead and just dive in with our first story from VentureBeat, which is AI researchers use heartbeat detection to identify deep fake videos. I found this pretty interesting, uh, a very like state of art research paper just coming out, uh, kind of news story. There were actually two uh, different papers that were cited in this piece. The first one is how do the hearts of deep fakes beat? Deepfake source detection via interpreting residuals of biological signals, a pretty poetic and uh, lengthy title. And then there was also a paper titled Deep Rhythm, Exposing Deepfakes with Attentional Visual Heartbeat Rhythms. And they came out kind of close to each other. So I found this quite interesting. And like many, I found it to be a very neat uh, result that this worked so well. Uh, how about you, Sharon? What did you make of seeing these results? I thought this was very interesting um, because it's kind of like biology to the rescue. But of course, I think the next step will be like, oh, maybe we can create deep fakes that mimic uh, biology, like the heartbeat in some way, too. So it, it will definitely be a cat and mouse games. Uh, but I think this is really cool. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of interesting. It, it's a reminder that. Sometimes it's not just about, you know, a new neural net architecture or more data. Sometimes you can sort of use uh, more priors or more intuition to develop new AI techniques. So here there was the idea of these biological rhythms that you can actually detect in videos uh, that <clears throat> turned out to be usable for defect detection. So yeah, I, I found it very cool, and I guess we'll see how quickly uh, Gans can catch up and actually uh, correctly generate these deepfake signals. Yeah, I thought it was a really clever way of going about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, one other interesting thing we can mention is uh, in one of these papers, they not only detected deepfakes, they actually detected the source model that generated deepfakes, so you could pinpoint the model, uh, because they had different patterns of heartbeat and basically they, they fluctuated differently. Um, yeah. So for once, not an overhyped news story, not like a silly representation, actually 
a good instance of cool research being highlighted yeah. in the media. Yes. It's a positive week. It's about positive energy. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need more of that. And on the note of positive energy, uh, the next article is this know-it-all AI learns by reading the entire web nonstop. Uh, and this is not GPT-3. This is actually Stanford startup DiffBot that's building an AI that crawls every web page uh, on in multiple languages, extracting various facts and turning them into uh, a knowledge graph, actually. And uh, Google is known to do this and to surface results for some of the most popular queries. Uh, but they're trying to do this for everything and every single kind of little thing. Um, what do you think of this, Andre? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, knowledge graphs are definitely a more classical concept in AI, and maybe they haven't been used as much in the recent past with deep learning, or we've used more raw data, raw images, raw text. Um, but <clears throat> knowledge graphs are starting to be more leveraged for, let's say, question answering tasks, for instance, of NLP. Or you can imagine in the future when you want AI to really be consistent and reliable, maybe we'll want something like a knowledge graph, which is basically a bunch of facts, like real true things. So interesting to read about this company that is now actually pretty old and um, developing still this technique of extracting knowledge graphs from the internet and building it. And I guess they claim to have the, the largest knowledge graph in existence now, and they continually expand it. So yeah quite interesting to know this exists and uh, maybe something that future AI techniques will leverage more than we have so far. Yeah. And I actually think this is a very common thing used in companies, actually, knowledge graphs. It's just not popular whatsoever in the research community. And it's always been kind of like a question mark of, oh, wow, we never really continue research on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that, that is actually a big question that I always realize whenever I join a company. I'm like, oh, wow, they really care about building a knowledge graph here. Um, yeah, interestingly, this article mentions that uh, DiffPot has around 400 paying customers using its technology and API to various purposes. So for instance, DuckDuckGo uses it, uh, the search engine, to generate Google-like sort of informative boxes. Snapchat also uses it. Uh, the wedding planner app Zola uses it. Nasdaq uses it. So as you said, uh, knowledge graphs may be less of a hyped concept in AI, but certainly very useful, especially when you want to reveal uh, or surface useful information that is, you know, you know is actually true. But onto a more emerging area of AI, less classical, something you're still sort of figuring out. Uh, we got our next news story from Wired titled, Google offers to help others with the tricky ethics of AI. This is a pretty interesting story where it turns out Google is planning to launch a service to help other companies basically screen their AI practices and see if you know they're following best practices, if there are any issues and so on. And this is coming uh, you know, after Google has uh, faced a fair number of uh, controversial issues already and had, has had to change various products with AI. And so, yeah, they, are, they have announced it. So far, it sounds a bit vague. So it seems like maybe there'll be just various kinds of classes and maybe some sort of consulting service 
as well later. But um, yeah, the news is that this is going to happen sometime later this year. So definitely curious and not something we've necessarily seen before from elsewhere. Uh, Sharon, what was your reaction upon reading this? I think it's very tricky to market this ethics as a service, E-A-A-S. It just feels a little bit, something feels really wrong. I think what feels really wrong is that like thinking that you can outsource ethics, it makes the whole situation worse. (laughs) Um, Like the whole point is of, I think what we talked about of this new wave of ethical AI 3.0 or something from last week, um, is about kind of the interwoven and inter this kind of messy and intertangled uh, space of the technical stuff being with the ethics. And I think outsourcing it is kind of bad, a bad way to frame it. But I, I do think it's very important that Google is stepping up and helping out on these things. Like I, I definitely think that's really valuable because some smaller places or the government or other people who would overlook these things um, might look to Google as both a leader and also just like as a helpful service to help course correct them too. Cause otherwise like what, if they would do nothing um, instead, then this is much better. What do you think? Yeah, I will say it's easy to be a bit cynical upon seeing the headline, but Google does have some very notable uh, experts on the AI ethics on the steam and those experts publish some of the more interesting and notable research and ideas as to best practices. So that's one thing that should be taken into account. And then something like this does seem useful for, yeah, as you said, maybe you have a smaller startup and you're getting close to putting something out there and you may not be able to think through all the ethical, uh, considerations or, kind of check it as much as uh, a company like Google, which is more experienced. So having something to help certainly seems like a good idea. Maybe it would make more sense for a conglomerate or some sort of joint group um, as opposed to just Google running it. And maybe that will be the outcome eventually. I guess, um, yeah, I'm optimistic, but uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing what this is in a bit more detail. Also, uh, just to note, uh, it looks like in this article, Google hasn't yet decided whether it will charge for some of those services. So if this is for free and even you or I could take these classes or whatever, certainly that would uh, improve my opinion. <laughs> yes, I actually, yeah, if they made a class, that'd be nice, actually. Um, on to a very different topic from that. Um, the next article is from Spectrum IEEE. Uh, titled Robotics, AI, and Cloud Computing Combined to Supercharge Chemical and Drug Synthesis. So uh, this article was about uh, IBM recently demoing a complex system for chemical and drug synthesis, and it has its AI predict results of chemical reactions and has a fully automated robotic experiment setup that actually runs these chemical tests 24-7. So the whole thing is automated, which is pretty cool. Um, and IBM hopes to reduce typical drug discovery and verification time by half. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a need. Especially from your robotic lens. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, this is a demonstration of how robotics can be and is being leveraged to accelerate science, obviously. Uh, the article does note that 
generally the the use of AI here is mostly for um, deciding which things to try and predicting chemical reactions. And the robotics component here is for setting up the experiments and running the trials uh, so that chemists can be freed up to do other things. And uh, so the physical component there, uh, of course, is why the robots are useful. Um, yeah, I think definitely a good example of a more sort of embodied AI, of AI enabling things beyond just, let's say, labeling people uh, with facial recognition or voice recognition for going speech to text, but actually running science and having a physical component. And maybe kind of a, a symbol of what may be coming over the next few decades as robotics get incorporated more in various disciplines and various factors, I think it's quite plausible that we'll, we'll get more and more of this gradually in many sectors. How about you? Um, have you, have you seen any of this kind of, uh, drug discovery AI or heard of IBM doing it or anything like that? I've heard of a lot of folks doing it. I think Daphne Kohler has a startup doing it. Um, and there are quite a few startups in the space as well. Uh, IBM, um, I, I honestly, I think the coolest part is the robot part, which is why I asked you about it, uh, because I, I do think, oh, it's like not just the like automated, you know, discovery of like, you know, all these molecular structures and chemical stuff and synthesizing drugs and stuff, everything that could all be done with software. They actually put in the next, next like step of oh, there's also a full, fully automated robot. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. I will say though, uh, and sorry, any IBM listeners here, but IBM did very much lose uh, their reputation after uh, in AI after kind of having some pretty big hiccups. Um, I think with Watson and a lot of other things as well as kind of not really working out. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic of this hack and it could be just a huge sell. Yeah, I think certainly in general, IBM has had a rough track record with commercialized AI services. But at the same time, we know that, you know, there's different departments, different groups, etc. cetera. Uh, it sounds like um, actually this accent for chemistry, this AI for um, analyzing chemical reactions was actually already available for a couple of years. And this was the story here is about the demo of this robo RXN system. So uh, having been developed for a while, maybe we'll make it more reliable and actually useful. And <laughs> obviously right now is a great time for this to be used as we are looking for vaccines for COVID-19 and in general, drug synthesis seems more relevant than ever. Yeah, hopefully AI cures COVID. Just kidding, we already figured out that's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> not not uh, soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe the next few pandemics. Uh, I don't know if we wanna think like that. <laughs> um, but with that, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Skynet Today's Let's Talk AI podcast. You can find the articles we discussed here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at skynettoday.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating if you like the show. Be, Be sure, sure to tune in next week. week. Woo! All right. <laughs>